Welcome to the Anime Research Group. With so much anime produced each season, many interesting shows just slip through the cracks and don't get the fair hearing they deserve. I'm Ian. I'm Denny. I'm Freya. And each week we get together to give one show its chance. Watch the first few episodes and discuss what we thought of it. And this week, Run With The Wind, a 2018 production IG show. Yeah, this is probably the most recent show we've watched as it ran from October 2nd, 2018 until March 26, 2019 for a total of 23 episodes. It was made by Production IG, which makes this the third time we've encountered the studio after Aaron and um, Ghost Town on this podcast. They also did a little bit of work on Stelvia. That too. Uh, it was made by the same sub-team specifically who made Haikyuu, another very popular sports show, and uh, Kuroko. So those people know what they're doing on Sports Show. The anime is based on a 2006 novel by Shion Miura. Uh, another one of her books, uh, Fume no Amu, was also adapted into an anime about the creation of a dictionary. The novel was also adapted into a live-action film in 2009 and had a six-volume manga running from 2007 until 2009. Uh, there is one stage play as well, although I couldn't find a lot of information on it. The anime is directed by Kazuya Nomura and composed by Kyohei Kiyasu. And on that note, Freya? So yeah, Kaz- Kazuya Nomura um, hasn't is sort of a recent director again. I think I used this terminology a few episodes ago, so I'll use it again. He's a recent graduate to the position of chief director. Um, his first work as chief director is either the second season of Sengoku Basara, either that or it's uh, Robotics Notes, which I know you two like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's underrated. It's fine, I guess. I don't really remember the directing much. It was solid enough. Okay, and then after that, I suppose he'd be more famous uh, these days for doing uh, the 2015 Ghost in the Shell film, which is uh, a continuation of the Arise series, and uh, wasn't great. I'm sure we'll talk about Ghost in the Shell on the show properly at some point, but uh, yeah, that movie was, it's better than the show, but not by much. And that's not saying much. He was also responsible for Joker Game, I see, an anime yes. of which we have watched the first few episodes multiple times. I mean, the direction's one of the is one of the better things about it. Mm. So props to him for that. So I guess what I can say is he's improved from <laughs> uh, Robotics Notes to Joker Game and now this show. Our series composer is interesting because this is his only uh, writing credit. He's actually a seiyu most of the time, although he doesn't have that many roles. Uh, He's probably most famous for for voicing uh, Ippo in uh, Hajime no Ippo Ippo Rising and New Challenger. Hmm. So yeah, I'm not sure what to think of that, uh, especially as this is an adaptation of a uh, a novel. Like I said the other week, adaptation is a skill of its own right. Anyway, uh, probably the most famous person uh, working on this, other than the character designer, because it's the Haikyuu character designer. Well, no, sorry. It's the Haikyuu uh, chief animation director, aka the person responsible for getting the uh, character designs to work for animation. So they look like slightly less noodly uh, Haikyuu characters, I think, <laughs> agree. But yes, the most uh, prolific and famous person on this is probably the composer Yuki Hayashi, though he's also, again, quite a, a young person compared to what we're used to in this uh, podcast. Uh, he... 
most people would recognize his music from well haiku but also uh my hero academia death parade god the build fighters <laughs> And shout out to Hugto Precure, which I'm sure we'll watch on this at some point. I like the music in this show better than yep. uh, MHA, I have to say. It, it was it was really nice. I noticed at several points I found myself thinking, this this is this is some very fitting and good music. I think he's better suited to like chill music than the sort of actiony stuff you get in MHA. But I know that's not popular opinion because people really like that sound. But I I find it uh, a little overdone. Looking at this list, he's also done the music for Double Decker, Doug and Carol, which is a show that I really enjoyed, and also the music in that there are several songs that I still uh, mm. occasionally listen to because I thought they were quite good, as in, and not the anim- enough ending or openings, but just the background, the actual OST was quite good at that. Mm-hmm. Is there any indication that this show was meant as a training ground for younger or less experienced staff because i noticed that a lot of the voice actors have less credits than we might expect not that i could find and i think the 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 animation staff in general are well quite experienced on uh, certainly this kind of uh, certainly on sports shows (laughs) production ig but maybe considering that the writer is uh, a voice actor we'll have to see if he writes some more stuff in the future that'll probably tell us yeah uh more about that it's also interesting because he mostly does voices for uh, sports shows like prince of tennis uh tennis no g summer whistle uh and hippo of course i wonder if he's uh able to get himself onto these shows which i suppose is impressive i mean he's being typecast well maybe but then he's writing this one which is uh not a position you just get given to you Mm-hmm. So our first episode is called The Tenth Man, and the tenth man in this case is Kakeru Kurahara. We see at the beginning, running through the streets with a sandwich in his hand, and uh, at some point someone starts shouting after him, like, stop thief, stop thief, so this isn't just your regular afternoon stroll. But then, weirdly, instead of being caught up by the person who is chasing him, he is caught by someone on a bike, this is uh, Haiji Kiyose, who is just like, do you like running? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And naturally, uh, Kakeru is as confused as the rest of us. Yes. And then the opening happens. <laughs> uh, and then the opening happens. Which is fine. If a bit generic. Yeah. I've already forgotten <laughs> what it looked like. You could take any Kuroko or Haikyuu opening and make them switch places with this, and if you just switch just the cast... And just add more running. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't really matter. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's as bad as that. I'll, I'll have more to say about it later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, just, I wanted to point out that in keeping with the like inexperienced angle, uh, Kakara Kurara is played by Takeo Otsuka. Their only other main role uh, is uh, as uh, Ryusei Midori Gaoka in Dimension High School. Uh, which they did the theme for, uh, but they've they've have done other uh, anime work like they they played mm-hmm. a few of the side characters in B stars and uh, Junji Kurishi and Haikyu to the top. We're going to refer to Haikyu a, a bunch more throughout this episode. So once the opening is over, uh, he uh, Kakeru gets taken back to some kind of uh, boarding house uh, by Haiji. We'll see that he 
he doesn't own it. We we do get introduced to the owner of this boarding house, but he definitely seems to be the mother hen of the group of people living yes. here mm-hmm. for reasons that we're going to see in this episode. Uh, but for the next, like, I want to say four or five minutes, it's just like an extended introduction arc to our ensemble cast. Yes, to the nine men that live in this in this Here, boarding Here's house. our nine characters, and here's each of Here's the gimmick everybody has, and then we have a big party. So we have Taro Joe and Jiro Joe, who are the twins. They're the most like uh, gimmicky one, uh, by far. Uh, they're, they're also the most anime feeling characters in this. I, I kept thinking Tintin while looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. They're also the, they're also the worst because of that. So I, I my my own description is they're the Oran High School Host Club twins with Jedward. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. We get uh Shindo, uh that's Takayashi Sugiyama, who it's kind of hard to figure out what their deal is. They're just kind of they seem to care about their weight. Uh oh that uh, guy. Okay. Um and they just seem to be kind of like a gentle soul, but they're not strong they're not they don't have like a very strong presence yeah i think mm. i think there was also something about them being connected to their home village in the next few episodes and them being named some mountains related to mountains but it's not very clear currently That's yeah because they're from a mountain village i think yeah uh we we, we have yohei sakaguchi that's king mm-hmm. uh he's the king of trivia there's akihiro hirata who you might prefer to know as Niko-chan Senpai. <laughs> uh, They're the old uh, gruff type with a beard and constantly smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. They feel very similar, at least somehow, to this retired character in Senpai, very lackadaisical. Uh, after that, we would also meet uh, like Musa Kamala. Who's our Tanzanian exchange student. Uh, yeah. He's also quite mild mannered and uh, just a good natured fellow, I suppose. Yeah, kind of, kind of wholesome. Yeah, it, it's good, however, that they've not done any jokes about his Japanese being bad, which a lesser yeah. anime might have. Uh, we have a lawyer, uh, Yuki Hiko Iwakura, who's your. I passed the bar a year early. Look how smart I am, guy. <laughs> I get to go to clubs all the time. That's time to party. And then, assuming that I have done the counting in my head correctly, that just leaves uh, Akane Kashibazaki or Prince. Mm-hmm. Or Denny is. Or <laughs> Denny is. Uh, or who, we dis- who I described as Denny. <laughs> Look, just uh, because I own 1,200 volumes of manga doesn't make me a prince. I swear that number gets bigger every time you tell No, this. it's been okay. 1,200 before it's the a, last few it's, years. It's a shorter, bishy version of Danny. <laughs> yes. But he still wears uh, the same shirt. That's true. Uh, yeah, I, I actually kind of wanted to like point this guy out in particular, uh, because they're voiced by Mia Irina. I don't, know if the, I don't know if it's fair to say they're the most high profile, but to people in the West, I think he might be, at least indirectly. Uh, because he's the voice of Hacker in Spirited Away and yeah. the Japanese voice of Sura in the Kingdom Hearts video game series. Yes. He's also uh, he's also the main character's brother in Mob Psycho. God damn it, Sora. And 
I would normally save this for the trivia section, but Denny, this is Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I think Haiji's voice actor is quite prominent. I mean, one thing then to notice uh, of, of a lot of these, like uh, Koki Uchiyama, uh, who's Shindo, uh, is Yuri Plisetsky in Euro Nice. Um, Haiji is uh, Asahishina in Free. Yuri Katsuki in Yuri on Eyes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Mikado in uh, Durarara was, I guess, it's probably his most famous thing. We've got quite a, like a experienced uh, people from doing sports and sports adjacent shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and interestingly to me, three of them were in Kimoto, Kimito Boku. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so in keeping with the structure of the episode, we decided to introduce all the characters. <laughs> I think it actually worked qu- quite well um, thematically because it was. We we thrust in the same role as our main character Kakeru, and it's just very overwhelming. You just yes. get all all of these ten characters with various gimmicks just introduced. They bring him into their house. He's supposed to live there now uh, for a very for a very good rent uh, with board and uh, with room board and uh, breakfast and um, dinner. And uh, they do a good job of showing him looking uh, pretty overwhelmed the whole time. Yes. I will say that when I think of bad character introductions, my head immediately goes to Mayo Iga. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> when we get introduced to everyone on the bus and that's the character of the first episode. Uh, it's not it's only the first ten minutes. Are you gonna suggest Mayo Iga at some point, Freya, so we can watch what so I can I can talk about how much I love Mayo Iga, maybe. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but uh like i wasn't actually that bad by it uh, like i say it only took about four minutes but it is i think it's supposed to be overwhelming and yeah i mean i felt i felt overwhelmed i also appreciate that kakara doesn't speak until about uh 10 minutes in just to keep showing how haiji's kind of overwriting everything with his own yes. uh, kind of energy we get like a party scene uh celebrating a new person to uh the boarding house and this is where we get the here's why i've assembled all of you and we all, we also see uh, well we get like establish the dynamic between all of these people mm. because although like we as viewers knew going into this that there was going to be a sports element to this show apparently no one told any of the people in this boarding house that he, they were being recruited for the track and field club which yes. i quite enjoyed as a as a setup I know it's not something, it's the unwilling group that needs to be brought together by the energetic guy, but I still like the way it was done here, and essentially that, this is a new rent contract, either you, once you've signed in to live here for this great price, you have to join the team. Yeah, the whole dynamic for the first, for the start of this show is going to be people coming around to the idea of joining this track and field club and participating in the Hakone Eki Den, but for now, none of them are none of them are in on it. <laughs> yeah. mm. For those who may not be aware, the uh, Ikiden is essentially a long distance running relay race that's uh, very famous in Japan. Specifically, the Hokane Ikiden uh, is like the most famous one, which has existed since 1920, uh, where it was first like run by the father of the Japanese marathon. And it's generally like 10 stages of 20 kilometers each, going all the way from Tokyo to 
uh, Hakuden. It's like a big yearly event in Japan. And the goal of this anime is for, for a gang to run it. Yeah, it's one of those, like, Japan has so much New Year special shows, and <laughs> this race seems to tie in with that, because it's set around New Year's. We then uh, get a little flashback sequence of uh, what Haiji was doing at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, and we actually get to see him stealing the bread, uh, the baguette thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get a bit more of the conversation that would have happened between them leaving, uh, the, the meeting, and them appearing at the boarding house. Which, uh, it's revealed that uh, apparently Kaku gambled all his allowance away on Mahjong. <laughs> I hope that, that that comes up more than once. Uh, yes. Yeah. Because I get I know that we need our our minor conceits for why people would be doing this. Um I'd I'd like to see a bit more of it. The terms that he offers for boarding this house are pretty generous. Like I would be willing to run in this race for a rent of three hundred US dollars mm. uh plus two meals a day. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh we also get a, a very nice visual sequence where essentially we see uh, Kakeru's running from Haiji's perspective. It's almost very kind of acid trippy in that he's like glowing like a rainbow. He's illuminated. There's like divine wind around him. He's an angelic figure. Yeah, he's an angelic figure and Haiji's just fascinated. Or otherworldly figure. Maybe a bit of a slight homoerotic subtext. Um... <laughs> I mean, I would just say that the, the lighting just shows like the singleness of the focus on here. Yeah. You're not seeing anybody else around. It's it's just the runner in front of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, adding to the thing that you said about them being, being possibly angelic, this is more stuff we would usually talk about later, but I felt that at times the running animation lacked a sort of weight to it, which maybe it didn't make sense in other scenes, but now that you started to mention it, I actually think it makes more sense in the mm. scene than it did, it did to me at the time. Yeah, well, it's funny because the other character, I mean, we'll talk about this in episode three, but the other characters, the way their running is animated feels a lot more, uh, well, natural and weighty, I suppose. I guess maybe it is just because uh, Kakura is supposed to be this almost, this incredibly gifted runner, so to convey how much more skilled he is than the others, they've chosen yeah. to animate him in a slightly more um, weightless way, so as, as he's, like, he's freed from from the shackles of gravity he's free to run unhindered or something like that yeah i can see that happening mm-hmm. and so like after all, all this sort of flashback sequence all we sort of end in episode one is um them the is just the remainder of the fallout from the uh the race announcement and uh Haiji telling uh us that he's going to convince them all that this is the mm-hmm. best thing to do and once again we kind of end with angelic lighting as Haiji this time backlit by the sun that's like incredibly yeah. focused he looks very heavenly there um but we also get uh some f- some of our first looks into what the deal is with both haiji and kakeru like uh, we meet haiji at the end in the park and we see a scar on his knee indicating he's had some kind of accident and is is trying to get back into running he even says it'll take him another six months to be as good as kakaru is currently as for kakaru we it's not clear what yet but it's obvious he's had some kind of trauma not just uh, i think we said this while watching the anime as well his character design is incredibly similar to kageyama tobio is like one of the two protagonists of haikyuu yeah and is maybe his issues of uh, will actually be of a similar vein of the he was simply too good and Others couldn't stand him because of that. He became isolated within the team. Uh, moving on to episode two, which is called The Ogre's Arrival. 
uh, that's going to kind of tell us a little bit about what's happening in this episode. The ogre in this case is Haiji. <laughs> mm. uh, and what's arriving, I guess, is a bit more of the devilish aspect to his nature. Because he has to start convincing people. The whole like start of the episode is all the other nine men who live here discussing how none of them really want to take part in the race, how some of them are thinking maybe we should run away, while also realizing that they have been well-trained by Haiji by, like, plying them with good food and cheap rent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and a dog. This. Like, because for nine of these people, they've been living with him for a while before uh, the tenth man and the final reveal. <laughs> and it's the start of the the school year, uh, which I guess makes sense because that's why he would need to be finding somewhere to live. Because mm-hmm. we get the recruiting festival, uh, wherever they call it, where the clubs are trying to get new members. And people are obviously interested in their different clubs. The twins were soccer players. They're interested in going to the soccer club. Uh, but it seems to be for very uh, <laughs> impure reasons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're playing football to get chicks. <laughs> um, that's Haiji's uh, uh, in to try and attack. Uh, uh, like angle of attack is like, ah yes, but girls love guys who run in the Eki Den, <laughs> which might be true for all I know. But I mean, pro athletes are generally quite popular in Japan, and student athletes as well. So I wouldn't be surprised. And there's always, like, I guess there's always someone who's really into that one weird sport that no one else has heard of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so what other um, sort of manipulations did we see him do? Well, there's the prince who's already joined the manga club, but uh, because he also has a giant manga collection, Haiji shows up and with the co- with his rent contract and is essentially, well, if you're not going to join the club, you're going to have to move out. You're going to have to pack up all that manga. Yeah, like effective immediately. <laughs> yeah, Prince is given. I think his his like um, his blackmail on Prince is the strongest because all of the other ones it's kind of a more soft touch of look here is all these other great things such as for King where's oh this will look good on your resume or for uh, the other guy whose name I can't remember because he's not really uh, got a personality Sh- for for Shindo he just seems to sort of embarrass him in the library. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, oh, my good friend, uh, don't you love participating in the uh, Eki Den? Your parents will love you for it. Keep your fucking voice down. <laughs> Just like, I guess, you know, that might actually work on. That might actually work on me. <laughs> <laughs> for uh, for Musa, he like holds over the fact that he got him his uh, part time job at the um, what was the shop? It was a butcher. Okay. Prince is really the only one where he directly comes out and say, look, you're joining this or I'm kicking you out of your other yes. way to live. There's some people that we don't really have a good idea about what his hold, if any, on him is. Like for uh, Niko-chan-senpai, is it really established uh, what his hold no. is? It just seems to be they've been friends for a few years. So I think... Yes. My suspicion is, and obviously this is ill-informed speculation, is that he was probably convinced like three years ago to take part. And then when he thought 
and then probably became like jaded after realizing, mm-hmm. well, it's never going to happen. <laughs> we do see that Nico Senpai uh, does even go running before they all start running as a group in episode mm-hmm. three. So there is an indication that he has a past, somewhat of a past as a runner, although currently he's very out of shape and smoking a lot of cigarettes. He doesn't really blackmail the lawyer until episode three. I think. Yeah, they, we're we're not going to really speak with the lawyer until uh, afterwards. But he's definitely the most resistant character to the whole idea because the others are even even though they've been blackmailed, they they kind of come around to it quite easily. The lawyer is currently and Kakiru, of course, Kakiru. We haven't even mentioned that, but Kakiru is really against this whole thing. Yes. It's weird because he seems to be like both against it and not, but he seems to be coming at it from a very different angle, which is like, you're wrong to do this, and I'm going to prove to you that you're wrong to do this. Yeah. I mean, it's understandable from his point of view. Like, he seems to be an experienced runner. So, the idea of taking eight other people who've never run before and get them ready for one of the most biggest races that they could possibly take in within 10 months seems. Seems a bit irresponsible, especially probably because some in the flashbacks we see somebody kneeling with bandages. So people have been he definitely has had friends who've been hurt and had to retire due to injury. So sticking ten random strength, like forcing them to do it, seems a bit irresponsible for their own health. Yes, absolutely. Especially with Prince, as we see. So in order to go for a bath, they all go to this uh, external bathhouse. The uh, they have some sort of like name for it. It's like uh, the the baths of hell or something. I forget precisely yes. what they call yeah, it because yeah. it's devilishly hot or whatever. Mm. Like, uh, and so this is where we get the sort of him trying to convince Kakeru. Yeah, it's the usual that we've got in a lot of sports anime. We got it in Kuroko. We got it. In, we got it in Pedal, where it's the oh, you don't want to do this. You know what? essentially fight me for it if i win you'll have to join my club you'll have to can take up bicycle racing you'll have to help me be the best basketball player there is and if you win i won't bother you anymore but it doesn't matter if they if you win or lose you'll likely be convinced to do x anyway so it's a fairly <laughs> counter like i expected it to happen at the end of episode one where i thought Haiji was gonna say well i'm gonna race you for it if i win you have to do it and if you win i won't bother you anymore but in this case, they just do whoever can stick it out in this bath, in this really, really hot bath, the longest um, wins. And then if you win, I won't bother you anymore. Uh, but it ends up in a tie after 30 minutes. They both run, yes. beat red, which was, I mean, visually it was it was very expressive. And then uh, after the tie, he basically force, uh, he forces Kakaru to like go along with it by being a dick to the other people again. Yeah, so episode three... Uh, is titled A Single Flower. And to anyone who sort of knows anything about sports shows, it's just like, all right, here's the time when we introduce the female character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who is the manager slash trainer slash friend slash associate of the sport, a fan of the sport. Yeah, un- under normal circumstances, this is this is, this is uh, the manager is what we would see introduced. Actually fulfills that character role while not being any of those things. But before we get to her, the episode starts off with an early morning run. Haiji has successfully convinced them to leave the house and go for a five-kilometer run, except for uh, Yuki. This is the thing, is that Kakaru, while he's still reluctant, he's also the first person to leave on the run. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, 
Uh, and then by the time they get to like the end destination of their five kilometer run, yeah, there's quite a lot of like good animation of people being exhausted. And <laughs> Akane, that's Prince, is just like walking behind a butterfly, like grasping at it. And somehow this is his motivation to keep moving. <laughs> I guess that and Haiji behind him. But uh... and then it did look quite nice. And just he was he was kind of hunched over, one arm extended, almost zombie with a. Mm-hmm. He also has probably the best line in the in the show so far, which is "Where has your human dignity gone?" <laughs> when all the others start just kind of start running, and because uh, they, they essentially the first run ever is a five kilometer run, which is quite a lot. Yes. So no wonder the prince is dying. I mean, if you're going to be going for a twenty kilometer uh, race, then I guess. I mean, it's still too it's still too much to start off with, but you've got to let them know what they're getting in for, yeah. even yeah. even even as you're trying to convince them that this is a good idea. And uh, some of them handle it okay, uh, some of them less okay. And Prince does well; he limps to the finale. <laughs> he sh- he shambles to the finale, I suppose. And with the butterfly who sticks around, and hopefully becomes a recurring character. Also, I do want to draw attention to the fact that his shirt says Nazu on it. Nazu. Nazu. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they all like take like a, a break at this sort of patch of grass at the end of the five kilometers, and they're having a debrief session. Well, everyone except for Kakaru, who continued running this entire time based on the reasonable uh, argument that, well, my body is just going to get cold. Hmm. Uh Kakaru is kind of kind of reasonably points out that the the run that he wants to do with these people is very unreasonable, and that they're going up against people who have been training in track and field for a long time, and that it'll take ten years to get a bunch of people like this uh, into shape for the run. And Haiji is, of course, like, well, that's fine because we don't we don't need ten years. We only we only have ten months. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, and then suddenly the high G fan appears. <laughs> yeah, like what do we want to say about uh, Katsuta Hanako? Um, She's a high school girl, and she knows high G. Those are the few things we learn about her in this in this in this episode. And she seems to think the running is cool. Yeah, it's not clear that like she has any particular expertise, like. No. Uh, Momoi in uh, Kuroko, her like parents are like trainers uh, and stuff, so she's she's like a lot of experience training things. But there's no, we're not given really any indication that uh, Hanako here is uh, particularly versed. But she seems to be like eager to help out. Hmm. Uh, some of the other characters think that she might be Haiji's girlfriend. Hmm. But really, he's just using her as like a motivation point. Yes, uh, and it will work on, and it will work on King and the twins. I know that. I know the point is, is that he's being like a, haha! I can motivate these asshole, these uh, assholes by having a high school girl around, um, and that he's being scummy or whatever, but. And and there's a joke that they're actually uh, convinced to run by that. But it's still, she's not a character. At least so far. Yeah, at least so far. 
she's kind of acting both in a meta way and in the show as uh, like a motivation point for the characters and isn't a character herself. And she's the only female character so far. And as far as I can tell from the voice cast, the only one in the whole show, apart mm. from the store owner, I guess. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. So yeah, she was introduced for the second day's run, which is the one where Yuki has missed, um, indicates that he's like going clubbing instead uh but she'll appear in the third one uh like recording their times and on on the bike and i guess she's just going to be a gopher and just do some useful things like that so this is where we have as ian said the lawyer uh, skipped out on the second day's run and he because he's gone clubbing so he wasn't there in the morning and this essentially gets resolved with Haiji going to the club, interrupting him from picking up some girls, and then going, well, it's not fair to make me accompany you, so uh, make you accompany me all day for running, so I'm going to accompany you every time you go clubbing, and essentially <laughs> cock-block you. Yeah, kind of. But the third day, we can already see the effects of like his emotional manipulation. The twins have already came around and are in, uh, are in wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of adorable because he's like gets them to chant like Hakari's mountains are steepest in the world, and like they don't seem to like it doesn't occur to them what that means for them. <laughs> yes, Muso also says that he wants to continue running, and uh, I guess everyone else kind of just goes along with that because it's like yes, oh, it's going to be a good team building exercise. <laughs> and there is a bit, there is a bunch of like just like high spirits and camaraderie at the bathhouse after the third run. Uh, even uh, the prince is seemingly on board with it. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely acting more cool than he is when he runs. It's just like yes. with the hair flick and they're like... My favourite detail, which I'd like to point out, is that on the second day when he's once again lying what looks to be unconscious on the grass, uh, the butterflies have doubled. So there's now yeah. two butterflies around him. And I just hope that keep the butterflies keep doubling until the end. There's just a swarm of butterflies around him. <laughs> I really hope that to be true. But Kakaru like meets them at the bathhouse afterward. Uh, like after they've had their bath. Um and then like the people are like, yeah, come on, join us. Like you're still not convinced yet. And he's just like, Are you idiots? <laughs> it's not like we're just gonna take part in this race. We need to qualify for it. There's only gonna be twenty schools, ten of which are seated from last year. And you can't just show up to the qualifier. You need to have an official record of the doing this much distance in this much time. For a race like this, you can't get by on just one or two uh, good runners to bring up the rest of your team. Everyone needs to be at a high level of performance. Yeah, and then he just kind of leaves the whole exchange on a, well, I don't work well with other people anyway. Then we have to, then the, the episode ends with, I think, the fourth day's run where everybody else has shown up but Kakiru. Who started really early. Yeah, yeah. And very fittingly, where, whereas the other deers have all had beautiful blue weather and clear skies, this day it's it's all grey and cloudy to represent his troubled emotions. And we see Kakaru has run the five kilometers where he's met with somebody we don't know yet, but who's clearly somehow related to Kakaru's past and looks like Shinji from Fate and is thereby very likely an asshole. <laughs> like, I, I am willing to bet money on that this character is an asshole just from the yes. three seconds I've seen him on screen. 100%. Uh, yeah, no question. So yeah, that was the um, the three episodes. So I liked episode one quite a bit. Interesting. Me too. 
one thing that we uh, didn't talk about that I really liked was how uh, how lived in the uh, the um, the house felt. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's true. All the little background details, uh, especially in the different rooms, and the fact that they <laughs> they drew some really strong smoke on screen when <laughs> yes. um, they're in uh, Nico Chan's uh, room. Yeah, we're talking 1900s London smog here. Yeah. Mm. And just uh, all of the like little subtle details and the uh, differences between their rooms, or less subtle in some cases. Yeah, and for an introduction to an ensemble cast, it was pretty good. Uh, some of the characters work better than others. I really hate the twins. Uh, <laughs> they feel kind of out of place in this show, to be honest. They seem to be intended as like a kind of comic relief, but we already have more than one of those. Yeah, they don't. Um, Prince is a better is a better comic relief character, partly because he like actually has a serious, somewhat serious conflict in this show. I have to run, but I'm going to die. But my mind, <laughs> I can relate. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I also really liked episode one. Uh, besides the whole overwhelming Kakarou as the way it was told visually, there were several other things I, I quite liked. And when he was, when Kakarou was, when we see him running at the beginning of episode one, the short selection is quite nice. Uh, it's all dark, it's like the evening. And uh, every time he's running in an episode, we have th- the sounds of a storm in the background. Yeah. Uh, indicating some kind of conflict. I think at this point, I'd like to point out that the Japanese title for this show is Kazugachi Yoku Fute Iru, which is uh, the wind is blowing strongly. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. And this is the gimmick. Like when we see him just running by himself, like we don't hear the outside sound, we just hear the wind going behind him. Uh, One thing I also like is then at the end of episode one, when he runs, we see the same, the exact same shots again from the beginning of the episode, except now it's dawn. Mm -hmm. To indicate. Just to visually uh, indicate to the audience the dawning of a new story of a new chapter in his life, which I thought was quite nice. Especially how the dawn frames uh, Haiji in that one shot. Yes. So it's yes. like he's the uh, the portal to his new life, as it were. Yeah. I mean, I had to think of Jojo Part 5, that one <laughs> shot where where um, Giorno is holding um, Mistao in like an almost angelic pose, the sunlight behind his head. Like, that was the first thing I thought of when I saw that shot. One of the interesting things for me about this show is that it doesn't read like a sports show, (laughs) Uh, so to speak, is that I have my my mental checklist of sports tropes, and it's trying its very damnedest to avoid many of them. We didn't once use the word hype (laughs) while watching this show. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure when they get to the, from what I've heard, when they get to the running the like actual competitions it gets more uh, like that yeah because like normally by this point we've been told about how there's like the six heavenly kings of running <laughs> and they all have and they all have special powers like one of them will like all only ever run barefoot because it'll like increase the strength and their connection to the ground or something stupid like that but yeah i think me and freya talked about this a little bit during the thing and we said that while haiku kuroko and pedal all of those shows would classify as sports shonen uh this kind of at least for now feels more like a sports seinen a more mature version of the sports as a sports drama without all the superpower stuff I mean, I, I have some problems associating the word seinen with maturity, but um, it's targeted older and it's more grounded, certainly. I, I just think it's a useful term to describe it. If we went into more specifics, then yes, seinen is probably not the right term because seinen generally tends to 
No, it's definitely it's definitely the right turn. I just uh, have some issues with the word saying it, I suppose. I guess uh, I would also kind of describe this show partly as a comedy, um, at least from what we've seen just now. I think it's supposed to be intended mm. that way. At least, it, at least in the way we treat a bunch of these characters and how it's all been like kind of silly weaseling uh, manipulation. Uh, yeah. There's there's no like real serious blackmail material here. <laughs> it would have been a different show. Um, yeah. The thing is, um, one of the things that I think is going to be a barrier to some people is whether you buy into Haiji's uh, character or not. Yes. Because his blackmailing is mostly played for laughs, and yes, it's most of it isn't too serious, but he's still being very manipulative. And it depends how you feel about like the the way it's played uh, comedically. I'm kind of ambivalent about it. For me, it depends later on the line uh, down the line if he has a, if there are any consequences for this. At the moment, I'm like okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that um, he's like, when he's talking about why he's got these people, and he says, oh, and this is going to be good at running because he's African. And this is like, oh, you go with your prejudice again, <laughs> which is nice. It's nice to have that as a change. And in general, I'll say that it's nice to have a black character who's not super in an anime who's not super like. Stereotypical. Yeah. He's like, he's very mellow, whereas usually they make them very hot blooded and. Which is fine. Not like well, no, it's not fine that they're always like that. Um, but some of those characters are good, is what I'm saying. But uh, it's a nice change. One thing that would have occurred to me when you're telling me that we're going to be doing a show about running is that running, by and large, feels like a solitary activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you tell me we're going to be watching a running show, I would have expected it to just be. I guess I would have expected like a much more psychological show than the one we're getting. It's gonna it would just be one person, maybe their trainer, maybe a rival, and it would just be very much about like the day to day endurance of like push, keep continuing to push your body. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, I'm not gonna get that, but I do want to bring in the ending of this show here, uh, mm-hmm. because I actually think the ending of the show would be a fitting anime ending for that kind of show because it's kakeru running sort of by himself i mean he's running in both the opening and the ending um we get to see like shots where it's just him like breathless on a bridge and no one else gives a shit everyone's just walking Mm -hmm. past ignoring him there's the trudging in like the winter snows like the all weather um uh, with the and it's a sort of it's bookended by like the the stupid dog mascot character at the start who like watches you leave and is happy when you come back. Yeah, uh, and I was like, I don't know that this is a good ending for this show, but I, there is a there's a good ending. It's a good ending for another running show which could be made. I think it fits because it it seems to be like this show is trying to go for the whole uh, dynamic of like uh running as a solo sport and all of the uh problems with that versus running in a team uh and feeling disconnected from uh, that dynamic i think we're essentially doing free but instead of following the team we're following the rival who doesn't really want to be in the team (laughs) (laughs) but but they're gonna make him anyways through optimism and the power of friendship yeah, the thing I was going to say is the alternative is that the, since this is just Kakaru 
who uh, is one of I think we can say only two experienced runners. Mm. Uh, I think I, I guess we're, we're we're definitely going to assume that Haiji is an experienced runner. We know he is, um, and it's just that it would express like the alienation of like someone who is like a high level athlete being yeah. forced into a odd couple situation with nine other guys who don't really know how to run. Especially because if I would can compare it with the opening, the opening is somewhat more lighthearted. It's got a much more standard sports show framing. Mm. Uh, like he runs at the beginning by himself, then we get him coming to the 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 boarding house, and we get the boarding house scenes, and then everyone's all like doing their stuff, and then it gets out, and then they're all running as a group with uh, the long po- pulled back camera shots of them <laughs> in the distance with the sunset behind them, uh, and I definitely think the opening probably fits the show better, but I do think I prefer the ending. One thing that I wanted to talk about is we we had this discussion a little bit beforehand and uh, the idea of yaoi baiting uh, because yeah how do how do I accurately describe the genre of yaoi? I mean it's a tricky one because um, there's like shonen eye which is uh, I suppose considered to be more serious. I thought it was. I thought it shown an eye would uh, is just the the more the lighter version of Yaoi. Like it's well, no, because Yaoi. people would call given shown shown an eye and not Yaoi, for example. I, I feel I feel like Yaoi gives it a more sexual denomination, whereas shown an eye yeah, maybe probably. gives it a a more because given is a more serious romance between two high schoolers, whereas yeah. Yaoi tends to have very sexual elements. So maybe it's this. Yes, and Yaoi tends to have a certain, uh, well, very heterosexual uh, gender roles forced into it, um, mm. to be honest. But maybe we should have that discussion another time. Maybe then, but I was said, talking about earlier about how I was comparing this to Yuri baiting. Maybe uh, <sighs> maybe, maybe this is more shonen eye baiting versus uh, maybe that fits better with the whole comparison to Kyuubo. I mean, people, people like to use the term Fujo baiting. Um, and that's applicable in some cases, sure, but... At least from the three episodes we have seen today, uh, the term is mostly inapplicable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the scene at the beginning. There's there's quite a lot of bathhouse scenes, I guess. They're not really... They're not sexualized, those scenes. Uh, the, the framing isn't right, isn't right yeah. for that. Yeah, def- definitely not compared to like the first episode of Free. It's it's so, entirely yeah, it's entirely possible that it gets there in later episodes we haven't seen, but like on a scale from this to Free, uh, <laughs> it, there, there's no contest here. Mm. Or even even uh, Yuri on Ice is way more, uh, and that that sounds good, but um, yeah, no argument here. <laughs> does that make so, Yuri yeah. on Ice a sh- Shonen Eye show? Yes, uh, kind of. I do find it a bit annoying that people try to categorize, uh, like, put genre labels on things so stringent, uh, things so stringently. To be honest, I mean that that's totally fair. I, I just think it's a useful tool for categorization um, and simplicity's <laughs> sake. When you want to talk about each thing more in depth, of course, the individual labels won't necessarily apply to it. But when you're just talking about them in a broader sense, when I just think. Things. When you when you when you like give a genre label, you're giving it immediately gives people certain expectations that are often quite wrong. This goes for any medium, to be honest. 
Yeah, and like I say, if you just described this to me as like a yaoi show, I'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what this podcast is here for. You don't have to listen to the labels. <laughs> don't listen to the labels. Listen to us. Yeah, we know what we're talking about. I guess in terms of pacing for a 23-episode uh, series, this is probably reasonably on track. Um, mm-hmm. Normally, like even in like most sports shows, I, I feel like we would have <laughs> cut straight to training uh, for like some big, vaguely defined contest. I mean, I mean, we are doing that, but it's not one that's ten months uh, in the future. It's usually one that's like a month down the road or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this seems like a much better pacing for that uh, for that scale. Uh, I was surprised because I did expect the whole convincing everybody to run to take a lot longer than resolve it basically within an episode mm-hmm. and a half that everybody's up every morning running. Kakiro is the only one who's not completely on board yet. And, uh, neither is the lawyer, but the others are mostly yeah. come around to it already. For me, I think that the, there could have been a small improvement by staggering it. You don't need to bring everyone on board at once, especially like yes. the people who you think might be the more experienced runners um, or, well, experienced sports people. Like they definitely seem to be taking uh, Yuki on like a longer path, mm-hmm. but it's still they're trying to onboard everyone immediately, and I think that that might be an unreasonable thing to have done. But on the other hand, I don't really care. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about uh, sound design at all? Um, it was fine. The the one interesting bit was the sort of uh, scene in the first episode where he mm-hmm. has like the, he has the like uh, montage in his head of all the people he's just met, and it has the wind blowing and slowly getting louder. That was quite nice. I feel like we actually covered most of the things that, like as we were going through. Yeah. Um, the directing was good in episode one, and it was okay in the other two. Mm. <laughs> Uh, and I do want to praise the animation again, uh, especially the way they animate the running in episode three is very, uh, it's very well done. Oh, I would like to point out the neck flab because we very rarely see anime characters with neck flab. <laughs> so points for that. I swear to God, I thought you were not going to mention it. <laughs> I forgot about it until just now, but yes. Uh. Like when you lean back and you've got the slices of fat together, that's that's not something I think I've ever seen in another anime, which is probably not true, but it's not something where I can immediately point to an anime and go, oh yeah, I've seen that here. No comment. I feel like I saw it in Michiko and Hatchet, and that's the only other example I can think of. So with our thoughts on the episode out of the way, it brings to mind only one question. Denny, how many blackmails out of five do you give this? I think I'd blackmail this show four times out of five if I was given the option. Uh, I think this is actually the first show on the podcast that I'm going to continue watching on my own because I've seen a lot of sports shows before, uh, but most of them were in the style of Haikyuu, Kuroko, Pedal, the more excitable hype shows, so to speak. This seems to be a, a more slow-paced, nuanced take on the genre of sports show with a more... Uh, psychological aspect to it so i'm actually quite interested in seeing how this all turns out uh, we've talked a lot about the strengths of the show so i don't really have i don't really feel the need that to explain why i give it i'm giving it such a high score i, I just really like the show uh, how about you freya uh i'm not sure how you blackmail someone half the time but um <laughs> i will give this 
I will blackmail this show three and a half times uh, out of a possible five times you can blackmail someone. This scoring system is weird. Um, <laughs> so I really liked. Uh, I really liked the first episode, and I really like how grounded uh, this show feels in general. Um, I'm kind of eh, on the comedy. It didn't make me laugh too much. Uh, with Haiji, it depends how his character is handled later on. I really like the like uh, dynamic around Kakaru being the solo runner versus uh, the team runner. I like some of the ensemble cast. Uh, I like Musa and Prince in particular. Um, the others are there, I guess. And the twins are actively annoying. The big problem f- for me, even though I know it's like only one thing, so much of episode three hinges on the on Hannah, who is really shit uh, as a character. And people are going to have a go at me because the book was written by a woman, but um, women can do this sort of thing too. So yeah. It's it's good. I might watch it at some point. It's not my favorite thing we put on here, but it's decent. I'll be sure to let you know how Hannah turns out later on in the show. I mean, it's not going to stop me from watching it. It's just it's yeah, there, yeah. and it really bugged me. In keeping with me always being the most negative reviewer, except uh, for last week, and Stelvia, and Saikano, and Rolling Girls. Uh, I think I'm just going to stick with three. Like, it's not a bad show. Seems fine. Uh, A three star is definitely a a good place for it, I think. I'm not sure what it would take to push this up to three and a half. Maybe it's just not for me. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Uh, And not just because it's a sports show, right? (laughs) I'm not quite sure what it would take to push up to three and a half stars. I think that the problem is that until I see what the sport content of this show is, I don't really know how mm-hmm. worth it it mm-hmm. would be uh, as a longer investment. So maybe maybe it's just a case of one or two more episodes more and I would be able to say for sure. But yeah, I think three mm-hmm. is a good place to leave it. With our ratings done, that leaves just one last thing. The trivia. Fuck you, King. I am the only trivia king. Although, the piece of trivia isn't really related to the anime this week. It's related to the um, to the Ikidem. And as in that it's not just a thing that's done in Japan. It's also done in several other countries around the world, including Belgium, which I just find hilarious. Because fuck you, Belgium. And everybody who's listening to hear from Belgium, Luxembourg forever. Shout out to you having an area of called Luxembourg that's bigger than actual Luxembourg. Damn you! We will take it <laughs> also, back one day! Also, shout out to you for being in uh, anime we've watched uh, twice this week. And with that, Freya, what do, what do we think we're going to be watching next week? Next week, we will be watching Kyoge Mono, which is good timing, because uh, I'd probably be sick of the Sengoku era by uh, later in this year, so thank you, Dice. Well, and with that, we'll see you all next week. Goodbye. Try not to get blackmailed by any weird uh, weirdos. Read the fine print in your rent contract. And, And the sign on the door.